All right, get your Bibles. I want to talk to you this morning. We're going to talk about purpose a little bit. And, uh, and I'm being very deliberate about that in, in the time and the season that we are in. I wanted to talk to you about purpose. We've been talking so much about current events in the news, and we've been talking about what's going on, and we see what's coming against the church and our culture and, and how the church is affected by what's going on around us. Uh, at times, uh, it just may seem overwhelming to you. And uh, especially if you are not, uh, and most people are not well-versed in, in, time, in the end-time prophetic and in the things that are unfolding, we see signs, and Jesus really said that's all we need to see, is need to see the signs and know what's going on. Not that we need to have some great uh, theological detail about it. We know Jesus is coming soon, and the Bible says he's coming for those who love his appearing. So the Lord breaks it down very simply so that we do not have to, you do not have to live in a complicated fashion to walk with God. It's very simple to know Jesus and to walk with him. But nevertheless, the less we know about those things, and, and if you've been in the Daniel class, you, you're beginning to know a few more things that you didn't know last month. Amen. We know more this month than we did last month because we've been studying the book of Daniel. And, and this last Wednesday night, uh, when Linda was teaching Daniel, she tied uh, the book of Daniel and Revelation together so exquisitely. It was such a blessing to me to begin to see things in their appropriate context and, uh, and, and to understand that God is with us and that he is not surprised by anything that's going on. And he hasn't stepped off the throne yet. And it's all good uh, when we walk with God. And so, but anyway, nevertheless, we as individuals, sometimes in our personal time of, uh, of prayer and contemplation and consideration for all that's going on, sometimes we will allow uh, the, the things around us, the circumstances around us, to influence our thinking more than it should. The things that are going on in the earth today should not be what is influencing your thinking and it should not be what is influencing your emotions. What the Word says about you, what the Word says about you is what should be influencing your thinking, your view of the earth, your view of what's going on around you. It's easy to lose ourselves in, in the rapid changing landscape of the culture that we're living in. But we've discovered as, we're, as, we were, uh, uh, as we've been studying Daniel on Wednesday nights, we've discovered that Daniel went into captivity at 14 years old, served six ungodly kings, and lived all the way into his late 80s or early 90s before he passed away. And the entire time that Daniel served godless kings, he walked with God. The culture that he was in, the changing cultures, every time there was a new king, there was a new culture. Every time there was a new king, there were new rules and regulations. Every time there was a new king, there was a new assault on the church or on the believers, on the followers of God, uh, on Israel. Every time there was a new king, there was new challenges. And never one time did those challenges change who he was. Amen. What a great example. I didn't come to preach on Daniel, but nevertheless. It's easy to lose ourselves in the rapid uh, changing landscape of the culture that we're living in. So it is important for us to understand that we are purposed of God. When we talk about purpose, we're often asking questions like, what does God want from me? What does God expect uh, of me? Why am I here? The, the great age-old life question. What is my reason for living? What, what, what do I need to be doing in response to this thing we call salvation and this relationship that we have with God? But I submit to you that you're here and you are here right on time. You hear stories, people talk historically about people who seem to have been born out of time. We used to tease my older brother about that because he really should have been born back when they were in Ozarks with an outhouse because he was just that kind of guy. And he seemed like he was born out of his time. 
He didn't need all the modern conveniences of life. And in fact, when he was in the military and, and things were really challenging, he, he, for a moment he considered AWOL and uh, he called me and told me he was putting his stuff in storage and he was going to Canada and he was just going to go into the mountains. I'm like, you fool. He never did, but he considered it. Because he could skin and eat anything. He just wasn't, he just was not born in, 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 in my world. We look at each other, we go, we have the same mom and dad? We're from the same family? Did we grow up in the same house? Are you kidding me? Some people do feel like that, but I submit to you that you were born right on time. You came into the earth in the generation that God purposed for you to be in the earth. You came with, with a God deposit and an influence that is appropriate to our generation that is needed. When it's appropriately applied, it will be life-changing and encouraging of others and strengthening of the body of Christ. You came when you were supposed to be here. You didn't come early. And you aren't late. I submit to you that you're right on time, that you're not born out of time, and that you're here at this time in history because God's kingdom purpose for you needs to be activated now. We spend a lot of our lives looking for what God is going to do later. Do you realize that? We spend a great portion of our life looking for what God is going to do later. And the challenge is for us to be the kind of people that recognize that we are his purpose in the earth at this moment in time. Some people get greatly frustrated because they don't have the level of influence that they think they should have. They look at their life. Some of y'all will look at your life, especially when you get in your 40s and 50s and early 60s, and you look back over your life and you'll think, I should have been further along than I am now. I should have accomplished more than I accomplished by this time. I should have done some things. I got to make my bucket list or whatever. I got to get some things done. And the challenge for you is to understand that God put you here now. Your purpose is now. Your anointing is now your gifting is now and you don't have a promise of tomorrow but you have a promise to activate the things of God that are in you today now I also believe that in this time in history and the changing landscape of our culture that God has put you here as a voice of reason as a voice of righteousness, as a voice of holiness, as a voice of uprightness, as a voice of uh, one who defends the gospel, you have a purpose from God. And for every one of us that is in this room, that may be a little different because we're individuals. Aren't you glad God didn't cookie-cutter people? Man, it'd be terrible if this church was full of people that looked and acted and sounded just like me. It would be very boring at times. Ask my wife. It would be very boring at times. It would be very quiet. The kingdom purpose that God has for you may be much greater than you have ever considered. Some of you young people that are sitting here today, uh, some of you college-age students and high school students are going to face some challenges ahead of you that being connected to your purpose in God will take you through them with soaring uh, success and flying colors with, just like uh, that Daniel did through that, experience, that horrible experience that he went through. So I want to give you some scripture this morning. First of all, I want you to look at Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 
That is the, that is the religious verbiage, perfect will of God. That is the religious verbiage that we use for saying, why am I here? What is my purpose? What is God's will? That's the, that's the way that we as Christians would ask those questions. What is God's purpose for me? What is his will for my life? What is the perfect will of God? This passage tells us that the way for us to understand our purpose in God is through transformation, not confirmation. You know, it's interesting to me that when we're young, uh, we, we go out into the world and, and uh, in those seasons that individuals, some worse than others, sowing their wild oats and, and, and doing the things that they know that they should not do, they'll say something like this, I'm trying to find myself. Trying to find out who I am. But the Bible tells us that you will not find yourself through confirmation. Through being conformed to this world, through, be, through, through uh, living after the manner of the culture, you don't find yourself there. You find yourself in transformation. So that passage says, don't be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, you are born with a mind that's going to think like the culture around you. You're born with a mind that's going to think like the people around you. You're born with a mind that's going to think according to the things that you've been taught in school and that you've been taught uh, by uh, family members and friends. But the Bible says that in there, it is time for you to realize and time for me to realize that we must be transformed And we know that he's talking about our thinking because he says, uh, by the renewing of your mind. We find ourselves when we allow God to transform our thinking so that we see things the way he sees them, so that we hear things the way he hears them, thank you, so that we uh, uh, think of things the way God thinks of them, so that we have uh, his perspective on life. That is the transforming work of the Spirit of God. So the way that you find your purpose from God, the way that you find the deposit of God that is in you is through transformation. That transformation comes through the Word of God and by the Spirit of God. That transformation comes in relationship with Jesus Christ. Only in relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to read Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11. And then we're going to just break this passage down as we move toward this issue of purpose. In him, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11, I still still hear pages turning for those folks who carried a paper Bible. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined, According to the purposes of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. I want to, I I, I will start at the front of that passage. I really want to preach it backwards. I really want to start at, maybe I should who works all things according to the counsel of his will and work backwards from there. Because that should be a comforting statement to you. It should be a comforting statement to you and I who, who are facing the challenges of our life and of this day to understand that we are serving a God who works all things according to the counsel of his own will. How many of you have ever experienced those situations? You get in those situations, you're like, oh, God, why? He's big enough to handle the question, by the way. Why me? I, I was always puzzled. I had this, this gentleman in our church one time, and his, well, his wife was in our church, 
Um, but his mother lived to be almost 90 years old, and then she died. And when she died, he got mad at God and said, Why me? Why my mom? How long did you want the lady to live? She was 90 years old. But then I discovered when I, uh, when I stood over the grave of my own father that it really doesn't matter how long they live, that when they die, you always wish you had one more day. So I understood after. Right at the time, I found it kind of amusing. But we all go through situations in our life where we're saying to the Lord, why me? Why, why do I need to walk through this? Why do I have to go through this? Why, why is this being put on me? Why are these circumstances over which I have no control and over which I cannot change arising in my life? If you're here and you've submitted your way to the Lord and you've said, Lord, be Lord of my life, then you understand that you have a God who works all things according to the counsel of his own will. I wish he'd ask my permission. No, I don't. The times that the Lord has asked me, let let me talk about that. I think I will go backwards here, okay? Serving a God who works everything out according to the counsel of his own will. But when I was in prayer and I had the Lord say, difficulty is coming, are you willing? It's not really a question I wanted him to ask me. And it's not really a question I knew how to answer. And if the Lord says to you, difficulty is coming, are you, uh, I, you know, I need, you're going to walk through some things, are you willing? Well, I did discover this. If the Lord says, li- listen to this question, you're going to walk through some things, are you willing? If you listen to the first part of the statement, you're going to walk through some things. That was not a question. That was a statement. Are you willing has everything to do with my perspective on what I'm about to walk through. Can you get your heart willing for what's coming because what's coming is coming. The majority of the things that arise in your life that affect you uh, are, are things that are usually and generally beyond your control unless they are the results of seeds that you've sown that you're now harvesting. And even those things, we sow those seeds, then when we harvest them and we wish we hadn't sown them, there's still circumstances that are outside of our control. They're harvest. We, we are getting. But the Lord said, you're going to walk through some things. Are you willing? I appreciated the warning so that I had time to go before the Lord and be on my knees before him and have conversation with him and have interaction with him that prepared my heart to be willing because going through difficulty with an unwilling heart magnifies the level of difficulty going through challenges in the earth that we are going through right now uh, the, the the joy of walking through those things and getting on the other side of them successfully has everything to do with the transform transforming of our mind so if God has said, had said to me at that time when he said, you're going to walk through some difficulties. The earth is going to go through some difficulties. Are you willing? It was his grace that said, hey, this is coming your way. Prepare your heart to be shaped and formed appropriately to face the challenges that you are about to face. Because he works everything according to the counsel of his own will. What does it have to do with purpose? It's this. If you recognize that you are here when you are supposed to be here, and that God has deposited in you or is depositing in you the things that you need to fulfill his kingdom purpose for you, then whatever arises in your life, you will be able to say, that's all right. I have a purpose that is from God. And in the middle of this, even if it is great difficulty, even if it is heartbreaking, even if it is, is annoying, even if it is uh, frustrating, I can walk in peace knowing that I am purposed of God. 
I refuse to believe that I just happened to be here. I refuse, the word of God teaches me otherwise. I will not believe that it is just a coincidence that I showed up. Are you going to think, live your life thinking that it's just a coincidence that things went wrong and that things became difficult in those seasons of difficulty? Or it's just a coincidence that they went right when the blessing came and, and you're just going to live? At, you know what? If you are living that way, you are living at the mercy of the wind that blows. And every time it blows, you're going to blow over here. And every time it blows, you're going to blow over there. Jesus ought to be your anchor. So that when you are blown, you're not blown off course. Wow. It's a little deeper than I thought. In Isaiah 40 in chapter 13, this question is asked. Who has directed the spirit of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor or his advisor? Who has taught God? Who has, oh, who has shown God Anything. Who has presumed that they were smarter than him and that they made choices and decisions that were contrary to his purposes and his will and ever stood in his face and said, see, I was right and you were wrong? That's the question. It's asked again in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 16. For who has known the mind of the Lord that we might instruct him? Who has ever gotten in the face of God and told him what to do? The one who works everything according to the counsel of his own will. He decides because he knows what's best. And then and we presume to instruct him. But the apostle, I'm glad he didn't stop there in 1 Corinthians. And, and you should memorize this, uh, this particular passage of scripture because he, he expands what was stated in Isaiah chapter 40 and 13. When the prophet was prophesying and the prophet said who's known the mind of the Lord or who has directed the spirit of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has taught God anything. The prophet was prophesying from the place that he was standing and he could not say what the apostle said later. But the apostle said who's known the mind of the Lord that he he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. You haven't known the mind of the Lord to the point that you're going to instruct him or that you're going to show him anything, but he has put his mind in you so you can look at everything that's going on around you and see it the way he sees it. So, so that you can think like God. I'm talking to a room full of people who have the potential to think like God. To think the thoughts of God. If you will think the thoughts of God, you will find in every moment the purpose for which you are in that moment. I need to say that again. If you'll think the thoughts of God... You'll find the purposes of God for you in the moment that you are in. So when you are driving down the road, and all of a sudden you start hearing the flippity-flappity of a flat tire that keeps you from getting to the destination that you had in mind, you can, but if you'll think the thoughts of God, just in that moment you'll look around you and say, God, is there something that I need to be aware of? Do I have an assignment with a tow truck driver today? Because I don't change tires myself anymore. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> wisdom came, Bishop. Wisdom came. Is there an assignment that I have in this moment? Was there something ahead of me that I needed to be restrained so that I didn't walk through a challenge that is ahead of me? Is my flat tire keeping me from trouble a mile up the road? Did God just change my circumstances to save my life? God, who works everything. Don't you love that word? Everything. According to the counsel of his 
will. If our steps are ordered of the Lord and we're going to think like people who serve a God, serves a God who works everything according to the counsel of his own will, then even in the minute details of life, when the challenges come, our first thought will be, what, what are you saying to me in this moment? When, when Julia was a baby, I was carrying her in the house and... Uh, uh, I tripped over a pile of toys that she left on the floor. <laughs> Not you, baby. And I fell and injured my back. And I was in absolute horrible, horrible pain. And uh, Laura took me to the emergency room, and I couldn't sit, and I couldn't stand on both legs, so I stood in the emergency room on one leg for hours, a couple of times, waiting for them to give me a shot for pain. And when I begin to look around me and say, God, what, what am I doing in this moment? He opened my eyes to, to this. In this one, one, one of those times, he opened my eyes to a lady who was sitting in a wheelchair who was in far greater pain than I was in. And he said, she's why you're here. And I went over and prayed for her. I spoke with her and prayed for her. And then I thought as I walked away, Lord, if I needed to go through this so you could get me here so that I could be here with her so that she could be encouraged by your presence and by a promise from you, then I'm willing. He took care of the problem, and over the course of time, I'm not going to the emergency room to get shots anymore. But thank you, Jesus, for that moment that God was glorified in what was great difficulty he works everything according to the counsel of his own will do you trust him to order your steps do you trust him to order your steps do you trust him I don't know what is ahead of you I don't know what we're going to walk through in the earth I don't don't really care at this point Uh, it's beside the point we are following the king of kings and lord of lords he is God he is working everything according to the counsel of his own will and in every moment we need to have the perspective God do you have a purpose for me in this moment we need to think like that I venture to say we'd be evangelizing a whole lot more if we did I'd venture to say there's some extended family members that would have already come to Jesus if we were thinking like that. Sister Ruth, how long has it been since Henry passed? 2010. He went to be with the Lord in 2010. In that moment, Ruth Howe said, Henry's gone. What is my purpose now? And the next few weeks, she started a Bible study in her home with some retired ladies that is still going today. And she has been literally pastoring those ladies and discipling them in the things of God. Okay, was it a heartbreaking experience for Henry to to leave the earth? Yes, it was. Was it a very difficult season? Yes, it was. Was there anything easy about it? No, there wasn't. But there was an individual who said, God, what is your purpose for me now? I challenge you to think that way. Because he works, you're not going, there's some things that, that, that are going to happen that you're not going to change God's mind about. And he's not going to ask your permission. All right. The other, let's read that passage again. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his own will. I want to talk to you for a moment about that word, being predestined. This is a, this is in theological circles, this is a greatly debated statement in scripture. Folks over, folks over on the, on the right... Shout, hallelujah. He chose me from the foundations of the earth. You see, the scripture says in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5, the Lord said to the prophet then, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. 
Before I formed you, I knew you. I don't want to build a doctrine around that, but before he formed you, he knew you. He knew the personality that was deposited in you. He knew the strengths that were deposited in you. He knew the weaknesses that were deposited in you. He knew the challenges that were deposited in you. He knew the positive attitudes that were deposited in you. He knew the form and the frame, the the physical challenges that you were facing. God knew. So we get to say, why me? But the Bible says, can the thing created say to the one who created it, why have you made me this way? Who are you and I to reply against God? I used to reply against God because I was, I was born allergic to mama's milk and they put me on pet milk and Cairo syrup to stay alive. So I plumped right up. I'll just have you know. And me and sugar have a thing going on. So all the family pictures, I'm sitting on mama's knee, and she needed them both to hold me. I was plump. And I used to say to the Lord, why did you make me this way? Because it was a struggle. It was was frustration to grow up being the only roly-poly. I faced everything that anyone in that circumstance will face. Teasing and frustrations and all of that. Until I got older and realized how many opportunities for brokenness that I missed because God made me the way he made me. How many opportunities and doors didn't open to me on roads that I shouldn't walk down? that I wouldn't have the personal ability to deny had the opportunities been in front of me. The opportunities for sin, the opportunities for brokenness, the opportunities for, uh, to be formed or shaped in another way. To literally have just been shaped differently. I would have been a different person than I am today in my thinking if I hadn't faced the challenges that I faced. You would be a different person today and you could not as appropriately identify the purposes of God for you if he had allowed you to be formed in some other way. So, so I would reply against God. It was so frustrating. Why did you make me this way? Why, why do I have to go through this? Until I would see someone in worse shape than me and I would think, oh, okay, I don't have it so bad. It's like the guy who went on about his hurt and feet until he met someone who had none, you know. The reality of it is there's always someone in worse condition or worse shape than you are. But the Bible says that we were subjected to vanity and hope. We were subjected to difficulty, not willingly. We didn't choose that. We were just subjected to it, but in the hope that is in Jesus Christ. You were predestined for this moment. God chose you. It's always amazing to me to find two or three people that grow up in the same situation. Maybe it's a terrible home life. Maybe it's abusive parents. Maybe it's, it's poverty and brokenness. And two or three people will, will grow up in the same situation. And one will flourish and the others won't. They all experience the same struggle. But one or two of them will flourish and one will just, just not flourish at all. One will grow up with joy and say, I'm so glad I don't have to live that way any other, anymore. And the other one will grow up with bitterness toward mom and dad. And I can't believe it. it. Just destroyed my life. You have a choice. You were born with purpose. God set you here today, regardless of what is behind you. Those things formed you and shaped you. But they don't ruin your future. They set you in a place so that you can fulfill the purposes of God for you the way he designed you. He predestined you. Now, I wish that I could tell you that that was not true, and I have not liked those parts of Scripture that prove that. There, are, there is Scripture throughout the Old Testament that absolutely proves we were subjected to vanity and hope. 
We were subjected to difficulty. We didn't choose it. We didn't ask for it. How many have ever said, oh, God, give me difficulty? <laughs> Lord, let me go through some hard things. Are you kidding? Nobody says that, right? I don't, I don't think anyone prays that too much. We look back over those hard things and we, we glean out of them strength and wisdom and understanding and we thank God for what we gleaned out of them, but nobody says, thank you, Jesus, you made my life hard. <laughs> you made my way difficult. Thank you, God. No, nobody says that. But when he said to the prophet, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And then when he gave him his instructions, if you'd go study Jeremiah, it might freak you out a little bit before it makes you happy. Because the Lord gave him some instruction about his ministry, not all of it uplifting. Oh, you guys are being quiet now. That's a Pentecostal moment. Yahoo! But you are predestined. The point is this. Jesus said, whosoever will may come. And he invited you to be one of those that will. And he formed in you the ability to fulfill the purposes of the kingdom of God in your generation for the people over whom you have influence. I'm going to tell you something that, that really kind of scares me more than anything else. When I pray for folks that I know who are in rebellion against God, but they know him, and they're leading people away from him, there's some atheist folks out there that, that they, they claim to be atheists and they claim to say there's no God, but they knew him as a child or as a young person and they have rebelled against him and now they're just, just rather say there's no God than to have to deal with that. And they're leading people away from knowing God, but they know. And on judgment day, they stand before God with their head hanging down and they know that they deserve the, 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 the fire and brimstone that is ahead of them. They know that they deserve the judgment that is ahead of them. But there's going to be some people around them that say, you knew and you didn't tell me? You knew this. And you told me this wasn't true. We have a challenge to fulfill the purposes of God that are in us. In our generation, we have a responsibility to the culture that is around us to speak the truth in love and to let the purposes of God be fulfilled. I, I, I don't know about larger purposes. I, I don't know. You know, God ordered my steps and figured things out for me because I wasn't all that smart, and I ended up being who I am and doing what I'm supposed to do quite by accident, I think, in the, you know, in the natural, but, but, but it was because God was ordering steps, and God was making a way where there seemed to be no way, and God was working out details. But that's the big picture purpose. I want us to think like people who say, I serve a God who works everything according to the counsel of his own will. What is my purpose in this moment? What is my purpose in this place of brokenness? What is my purpose in this, in this time of crisis? What is my purpose in this time of interruption? What is my purpose whenever things aren't quite working out the way that I thought they should? What is my purpose when the timelines on my plans aren't coming together the way that I... What is my purpose in this moment? Because I'm serving the King of kings and Lord of lords who works everything according to the counsel of his own will. You're predestined for this moment. God wrote you into history at this time in history because there are people that you need to influence for the sake of the kingdom of God and only you can influence them. And without your influence, they won't see Jesus. Then, let me give you the... I'm glad I got this, went backwards with this now because the scripture says again... Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purposes of him who works all things according to the counsel of his own will. Now, let me say again, if that passage does not comfort you, you are not reading it correctly. That should bring great comfort to you as an individual. Now, let's read the first part 
we have obtained an inheritance. Now, when I was growing up, the churches that I grew up in would say, we have, would read, we have obtained an inheritance, and then they would preach, one day we're going to receive our inheritance. You ever heard that sermon? One day, Jesus is going to give me some good stuff. Hallelujah. It's hard right now, but one day. But my Bible says we have received an inheritance. I didn't receive my, I'm not waiting to receive my inheritance. I've received my inheritance. Let me help you understand something. Heaven, that physical place in eternity, that's not my inheritance. That's just my eternal home. My inheritance is in Christ because he died and then he rose again to enforce his will. What the scripture teaches. We've received an inheritance. I'm going to tell you something. You don't need the power of the Holy Spirit in heaven. You need it now. You don't need the wisdom from God in eternity like you need it now. You don't need a word from the Lord later. You need a word from the Lord now. You don't need encouragement from God later. You need encouragement from God now. You won't need provision later. You need provision now. The things that are in the, the Bible said, Jesus said to the disciples, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is in the earth. The kingdom of God is not in the sweet by and by. The kingdom of God is here now. We're participants and citizens of a kingdom now. The things that you inherited in Christ, you need now to help you live life now. Whenever you're in the dark about something and you see things changing and you don't know what to do, your inheritance is in your prayer closet. There is a word from God for you for now. There's a promise from him for you for now. There's an instruction for you right now in his presence. I find it extremely sad that the majority of believers in the earth, hopefully not in this particular house, because we talk about this quite regularly, but the majority of believers in the earth, I believe they go through life wringing their hands going, I don't know what I'm going to do. And their great faith declaration is, God is in control. But I sure don't know what's going on. Didn't we just read, but we have the mind of Christ. If you are walking in darkness, turn on the light. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. We are not in darkness. We are children of the light. All of those scriptures the Bible says, and, and, and he just said that, uh, that we have the mind of Christ. So anytime you're facing circumstances in your life and you don't know what to do, all that is is an instruction by the Spirit of God to get yourself alone in the presence of the Father and have a conversation. There are so many folks who have received Jesus who never have a conversation with God. Never have a conversation with him. In fact, there are people, God bless them, I love them, help them, Jesus, who believe that all God ever said has been said and it's printed in his word and he's not saying anything else. But I have just found that not to be the case. The scripture says... That man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds. It would not say proceeds if he's not still speaking. This we know. He won't speak contrary to what he has written. So if the word that is proceeding through your ears is contrary to the word of Scripture that has been written, 
Throw that word that is proceeding through your ears away and live by the word that is written. But if you are in prayer and God is speaking to you and what he is saying to you is, is in agreement and not contrasting with his word, with, with, the, with the written word of God, then you will find that you are hearing from the Lord and he will not lead you wrong. We read in Scripture where the Bible says that if, the, if uh, you ask for uh, bread, would, would your father give you a serpent or a stone? If you ask for an egg, would he give you a serpent? If your earthly fathers know how to give you good things, how much more will your father in heaven not give you the Holy Spirit if you ask him? Now, you can ask for the Holy Spirit by saying, Father, give me the, fill me with the Holy Spirit. You can ask for the Holy Spirit another way. You ask for the Holy Spirit by saying, Lord, would you direct my path and show me what I don't know right now? That's asking for the participation of the Holy Spirit in your life because he's your teacher. So anything you ask God to do that is an assignment of the Holy Spirit, you're, you're just asking for a measure of the Holy Spirit to be activated in your life. So when you ask God to lead you, he will not lead you wrong. You can trust him. He will not lead you down a road with the bridge out. He won't lead you into a box canyon where you can be devoured by your enemy. If he leads you up against the sea, he'll part the sea. He won't lead you wrong because the Bible says if your earthly fathers know how to give you good things, how much more will he? We have obtained an inheritance. You need to be the kind of believer that remembers that what you need from God is not later. You need to be the kind of believers that when you Determine that you need something from God, it is presently and currently available. Now, you don't need to be the kind of believers that go to God and say, this is what I'm facing and this is what I want you to do about it. Because then you have become his advisor. You need to be the kind of believer that goes to the Lord and says, this is what I'm facing. What do you want me to do about it? What is my next action? What is my next step? What is the thing that I need to do? And the answer that comes to you may be, trust me. There's plenty of times when I've gone to the Lord and I said, Lord, I don't know what to do about this. And he says, I'm not going to tell you right now. Trust me. Just walk. Just walk. Follow peace. Go. 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 But if, if every time you go before the Lord, all he's saying to you is, trust me, you haven't turned on the light. Because God will speak to you in detail about his purposes, his plans, about what he's doing. He will speak to you in detail. The Holy Spirit speaks expressly. Then, in closing, the last thing I want to give you we preach this whole passage backwards. It says, In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purposes of him who works all things according to his will. Every promise that I have spoken to you, every challenge that I have laid at your feet, everything that I have said to you today uh, hinges on one thing and one thing alone. In him. It's not available to you if you're not. If you're not abiding in the vine, it's not available to you. You can't hear the word of the Lord unless you're in him. You can't, you can't have the blessing of God. You can't receive of the inheritance. You can't walk in the destinies that are written for you outside of being in him. John chapter 15 and verse 7. Jesus said this over and over again. I'm just going to read one passage. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. 
I have heard so many people rip that scripture apart to the point of saying, I don't believe it. Because what they were saying was, I pray all the time and I don't get my desire. And I, my response to that is, then you're not abiding. You're seeking your desire. You're not seeking abiding in him. The priority there is extremely wrong. In him, we have obtained an inheritance. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, there's a whole lot of people who start asking for desires before they're in him, uh, before they're in a relationship with Jesus and before his words are abiding in them. If his word is abiding in you, then a lot of times you never even have to ask because when you're facing a decision, his word will answer you. There's been so many times, you know, those salesmen come to the door and they're knocking on the door and they've got this to say and that to say and, and they're pushing. Some people are pushovers. Or you'll sit down, you'll begin to make a financial decision, and you hear the Holy Spirit. You hear the Word of God. You hear right from the Word that this is not wisdom. Wisdom cries in the street, the Bible says. Wisdom is the only place the Scripture says that God is actually yelling at you. Wisdom screams, don't! And we'll go, oh, give me that contract, I like that. And wisdom is going, you can't afford it! You haven't laid the foundation to walk there yet. You haven't put in the time yet. Don't! And we're going, my God will supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory. And he's going, it's not a need! In him, everything that is in God, that is good uh, in the kingdom, is produced out of your relationship with him. In him, in him, if you abide in me. How many of us would make decisions differently if every time we're facing a decision in life, we said to the, we said to the salesman or we said to the person who were interviewing us and, or we said to the people we were talking to about the decisions we were making, I'll talk to you about that decision tomorrow. I've got to go first to my prayer closet. If that was the practice of our life, most of the things that we get into, we would not. I'd love to discuss that with you, but I've got to go talk to my daddy about it first. I've got to go talk to father about it first. I got to go talk to my best friend about it first. Dear Jesus. Father to the fatherless, friend to the friendless. Dear Jesus, show me what to do in this moment. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to him who works all things according to the counsel of his own will.